Good morning. Our scripture reading today is from Luke chapter 18, starting in verse 9. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For, who, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. This is God's word for us today. All right, thanks, Kim, and uh, good morning, everybody. Uh, we are this morning continuing a series that we are now about three weeks in uh, called Can I Ask That? Uh, and the idea behind this series, really the heart behind this series, is that if you've ever been in church and wondered if you could ask that question, uh, maybe that question that you asked before and people were like, oh, we don't really talk about that here, uh, or maybe that question that you asked somewhere and someone said, just have more faith, uh, and so you learned over time that you can't ask questions in church. What we are saying with the series is your questions are welcome here. Uh, that questions don't freak us out because questions help us think well about what it means to follow Jesus. It help us, helps us think well about uh, how we're called to live. And so your questions are welcome here. And so we have been over the past couple of weeks uh, taking questions, addressing questions that people submitted to us or questions that we have heard uh, our friends or our neighbors asking about what it means to know Jesus and talking through them every week. And our hope of this series is that if you are considering Christianity, or maybe you're reconsidering Christianity after a time of looking at other things, uh, that this series gives you some good things to think about uh, so that you can make an informed decision about following Jesus. Today we're talking about a really big and really important question. You can see it there on the screen. Why is the church so exclusive? Why is the church so exclusive? Uh, maybe you've felt this before. Uh, maybe you shared something about yourself with someone in church, and then they kind of told you either explicitly or implicitly that you weren't welcome here because of whatever it is that you shared with them. Uh, or maybe you felt this kind of uh, subtly through the stairs when you walked in as a new person to church, or, or after you were there for a few weeks, it seemed like no one invited you in. Uh, that church can sometimes be a very uh, exclusive kind of place, where it seems like there are some people who are in and then other people who we just sort of tolerate or we exclude altogether. So this is a really important and a really uh, a delicate and important question. Uh, and I think to start off, I just wanted to consider this, that this question, behind this question, is really this question of belonging. What does it take to belong? I think we all want a place to belong. We want a community and a group of people who will love us and embrace us no matter what. We want a group of people who will walk through the ups and the downs of life, through the good times and the hard times in life, who will walk through us at our worst and at our best. We want a community like that. We want to belong. And at some point along the lines, uh, maybe you have thought, hey, the church claims to follow Jesus, and Jesus said, uh, love others, serve others, uh, give your life for other people, wash each other's feet. Uh, surely those people would be welcoming kind of people. 
And yet so often people's experience is the exact opposite of that. That rather than feeling love and embrace, they feel judgment and exclusion. So this morning we're going to talk about this reality. We're going to talk about why it is that a church can be such an exclusive place. And we're going to do that by looking at the, the passage that Kim just read, a parable of Jesus. Jesus told a lot of parables, and parables are stories designed to draw us in in order to draw something out of us. They draw us in, and we can picture ourselves there. We can see ourselves in the parable, and then in the parable, something is drawn out of us that shows us something that we need to deal with, something deeper that we need to deal with. And so in this parable, we're going to look at what it is that Jesus wants us to see, because oftentimes parables surprise us and challenge us. And so in this parable, this parable is really about uh, this idea of what does it take to belong? What is my basis for belonging in God's people uh, in this place called the church? Uh, at the end of the parable, Jesus kind of gives us the punchline. He says in uh, verse 14 that one of these two men goes home justified. One of these two men goes home justified. So, so the question at the heart of this parable is, what does it take to be justified? Now, that's a really big word of the Bible, really important word in the Bible. Uh, but today, as we look at that word of justified, I want you to think, uh, the idea of that word is, what does it take to belong? What does it take to belong? Uh, for example, if tonight you were to hop your fence and sneak into your neighbor's backyard and their security light shone on you, and they poked their head out and said, what are you doing here? Another way they could say that is, what justifies your weird presence in my backyard? What justifies your presence here? And so this idea of one of these two men being justified is this question of what does it take to belong? What does it take to belong? And so Jesus introduces us to two characters, and in these two characters we see two different approaches to belonging. So this morning we're going to look at first the Pharisee, then we're going to look at second the tax collector, and then third we're going to talk about us. So the Pharisee, the tax collector, and us. Uh, but before we look at these two characters, we have to understand uh, who these two guys were. Uh, one guy who was studying this passage said, Jesus could have picked no two different people. Uh, in our world, we feel like we're very polarized. In Jesus' world, there was some intense polarization. And these two guys represented the ends of those polarized ends. The tax collector uh, was working for Rome. Uh, he collected taxes for Rome, and uh, he probably took a little bit off the top to pad his own pockets. And so uh, the tax collector represented kind of this, uh, this secular force in Israel. The Pharisee, on the other hand, hated that. The Pharisee hated Rome and didn't like what Rome was doing. The Pharisee was very concerned uh, with orthodoxy, with people believing the right things, and with living the right way. We might think of him as more of a conservative guy, while the tax collector would probably be seen as more of a liberal guy. And so Jesus picks both of these characters to prove a point. And the point is, what does it take to belong? And so let's first look at the Pharisee. Let's first look at the Pharisee. Jesus introduces us to the Pharisee first, and he gives us the prayer that the Pharisee prays. He stands up in a religious gathering, and he prays this prayer. God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. And so this is the prayer that the, the, the Pharisee prays. And, and in this prayer, we can see what he believes uh, justifies him, what he believes allows him to belong. You see, his belonging is based on behavior. His belonging is based on behavior. He says, look at all the good things that I have done. Look at all the bad things that they do. And so therefore, I belong because I behave. I belong because I behave. But the problem with belonging based on behavior is that belonging based on behavior leads to contempt 
or hatred for people who are different than you. In fact, this is how the parable starts. It, it says that Jesus tells us to people who trust in themselves that they're good and treat others with contempt. So if you believe that you belong because you behave, it will lead to contempt or hatred. It creates an in-group and an out-group based on your behavior. And so as long as I behave the right way and have the right attitudes and the right opinions and, and look the right part and act the right part, then I belong. And so anyone who doesn't behave like me or have the same opinions as me or believe like me, they don't belong. There's an in-group based on behavior and an out-group based on behavior. You see, this is what the Bible calls self-righteousness. And self-righteousness says that I belong and I am good because of my behavior. And self-righteousness always leads to contempt. It always leads to an in-group and an out-group. And so this is what the Pharisee is saying, I belong because I'm good. But notice what self-righteousness does. Self-righteousness maximizes my goodness and maximizes the badness of other people. It says, here's all of my good things. The Pharisee prays, I fast twice a week. It was only the expectation that you would fast once a week. So he's maximizing his goodness, saying, look at all the good things that I do, and looking at other people, and he's maximizing their badness. See, belonging based on behavior leads to contempt, leads to an in-group and an out-group. But I want you to notice that if belonging is based on behavior, and if this leads to contempt, uh, that this isn't exclusively a Christian problem. In fact, this isn't even exclusively a religious problem. We do this all the time. We do this all the time. Uh, you could flip this parable on its head, and you could say the tax collector was hanging out at the tax booth with his tax, tax collector buddies, and, and the Pharisee walks by, and the tax collector could stand up with his friends and say, I'm so glad I'm not like that guy. He's old-fashioned. He's bigoted. He's, uh, he's behind the times. I, on the other hand, I'm for Rome. I'm progressive. I'm forward-thinking. It would be the same attitude. Same attitude that says my belonging is based on my behavior, so he is in the out group, I'm in the in group. We do this all the time. In our world, you could, maybe Jesus would tell a parable like this, a, a Republican stood up to pray. And he said, God, I thank you that I'm not like those godless Democrats. I care for the rights of the unborn in traditional marriage. It's the same attitude. It says, God, I am good because I have good behavior, and they're bad in their bad behavior. You could flip that around and say, Jesus could tell a parable that says, a Democrat stood up to pray. Say, God, I thank you that I'm not like those heartless Republicans. Right? I care for racial justice and the rights of undocumented immigrants. It's the same attitude. That belonging based on behavior always leads to contempt, creates an in-group and an out-group. We do this in our neighborhood. Right? We do this in our neighborhood where, where maybe you have that neighbor, right? and you look over the fence and you see his yard and how he takes care of it or doesn't take care of it. And maybe in your heart you start to think, God, I thank you that I'm not like him. I thank you that I'm not like my neighbor. I take care of my yard. He doesn't. There's this weird smell that wafts over the fence on Friday nights. Right? I belong because I'm good. I'm a good neighbor. I belong here in this neighborhood, but they don't. It's the same attitude. Belonging based on behavior always leads to contempt. I think this is important to understand because uh, there's a lot of talk right now that Christianity is exclusive. Right? That Christianity is an exclusive religion, but, but everyone does this in one degree or another. That belonging based on behavior always leads to an in-group or an out-group. And so as long as you behave the way that we behave, have the same attitudes, the same opinion, then you belong. And anyone who doesn't, doesn't. And you see, but you see, I think Jesus does have a particular concern for religious self-righteousness. He's particularly concerned for religious people who say, I belong because I behave. That's why he zeroes in on the Pharisee. That's why he says the Pharisee is the one who doesn't get it. Because what happens when you are religiously self-righteous 
is you believe that your belonging is based on behavior and that God agrees with you. And so then you use God as a, a judgment against people who disagree with you or who act differently than you. And so you end up putting yourself in the position of God judging other people. And all the while, Jesus says, if you're religiously self-righteous, you're going to miss entirely what Jesus is all about. And so belonging based on behavior leads to exclusion. Self-righteous people create exclusive communities. And this happens all the time, but particularly in religious contexts, where churches lose sight of the people that they're, they're called to care about. They lose relationship with the people in their neighborhood, and before long, uh, the church gathering on Sunday morning becomes the place where we're looking out in the neighborhood and saying, why is the world so bad? Why are people so bad? If they would only come to us and only be in this space, then they would be good. That is belonging based on behavior, creating an in-group and an out-group. And so Jesus is particularly concerned with religious self-righteousness. That's why he zeroes in on the tax collector, because the tax collector would be the least likely person you would ever think to belong, the least likely person who would ever fit in this space. So let's talk about what the tax collector understands. Jesus then tells us about the tax collector. He says, the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. See, the tax collector is off in the corner. Now, we don't know if he put himself there by choice, or maybe he was told that's where he belongs. He is not welcome in the center of this community. Uh, but everything about the tax collector's attitude, about his prayer, tells us that his eyes and his heart are in a different place. You see, the, the Pharisee is looking around the room saying, who's like me and who's not like me? Who is in the in-group and who is in the out-group? But the tax collector, everything about his posture and his attitude says he's not even looking around the room. His heart and his mind is not even about the room. He's not looking at the Pharisee and saying, if I could only be like that guy. If I could only be like them, then I would belong. That's not how he's thinking about belonging. You see, the, the tax collector understands that there's something more important. There's something more important, that his eyes and his heart and his attitude are focused on this God that he is coming to know. And this God that he is coming to know and understand is a God who is so far greater than him, so far better than him, so far more just and beautiful and loving and righteous than he could ever be. And so he says, if that is the standard, if that God is the standard, then I'm in trouble. You see, his eyes are not on the people who are around him. It's on the God that he's coming to know and say, God, you're the one who decides if I belong. You're the one who I need to get right with. You see, when we base our belonging based on behavior, it's kind of like we're a bunch of ants arguing about who's the bigger ant when an elephant is right there waiting to squash us. And that's what the tax collector understands, that, that the thing that matters the person who tells him his worth and his belonging is not the Pharisee. It's not the people in that room. It's God. And if this is who God is and, and he knows his own need, what he needs is mercy. Right? Mercy is saying, don't give me what I deserve. Right? No one in that room is, is pointing to him, telling him you need mercy. He's recognizing it because he sees who God is. See, he understands that God is the one that he has to get to, that God is the only one in the in-group, and all of us are on the out-group. See, the Pharisee wants to say, these are the in-group, and I decide if you belong, and you're all in the out-group. The tax collector understands God's the only one in the in-group, and if God's the only one in the in-group, then all of us are on the out-group. So he says, I need mercy, and God answers that prayer because he says he goes home justified. He goes home belonging. How does that happen? See, the tax collector understands. He comes to experience this, that belonging is based on grace. 
Belonging is based on grace, and grace means this, that nothing is earned and everything is given. Grace means that nothing is earned and everything is given. That means that you bring nothing to the table, not your good deeds or your bad deeds, that nothing that you bring to Jesus changes a single fact about who you are and whether or not you're loved. That your good deeds don't count and your bad deeds don't count against you. That grace says you bring nothing to this table. God provides everything. And this is what God does to, for us in Jesus. Is that God is the only one in the in-group and he sends Jesus to us in the out-group. And while he's with us in the out-group, he serves us and loves us and cares for us and ultimately dies for us. And when he is dying for us, the only one who's in the in-group, dying for everyone who's in the out-group, He's saying, this is my grace for you. And that if you have my grace, if you receive my grace, then you can join me in the in-group. And grace says that nothing is earned. Uh, everything is given. Everything is given by Jesus. Right? Which means that when you understand grace, right, belonging based on grace will lead to community. Belonging based on grace will lead to community. If you understand that, that nothing is earned and everything is given, if this is what grace means, if this is what Jesus did for us, then your good deeds do not count against you and neither do your bad deeds. That you don't bring a single thing to this belonging. It is based on grace. And so that means that we can experience true community because it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you are bringing to the table, that nothing is earned in this community. It is all because of the grace of Jesus. See, there's no VIP section at the foot of the cross. There's no section where righteous and religious people get to experience Jesus and, and all the sinners and tax collectors have to stand far off. It is the same grace that saves me, that saves anybody. And if it is based on grace where nothing is earned and everything is given, then it doesn't matter who you are or what you've done in your past that you can experience belonging because of the grace of Jesus. And it's when we miss this that we become exclusive people. Because you see, there is no, there's not one form of grace for the tax collector and one form of grace for the Pharisee. And there's not one form of grace for Democrats and another form of grace for Republicans. There's not one form of grace for white people and another form of grace for black people. There's not one form of grace for straight people and one form of grace for gay people. It is the same grace that gives us belonging. If it is by grace, then your behavior does not matter. Your behavior does not keep you from experiencing who Jesus is. His belonging is based on grace, and that leads to radical community. It says, come to Jesus with me, and let's find grace at the foot of the cross. This is what the tax collector comes to understand, that belonging is based on grace. And so the only thing that matters is what God says about him, and in Jesus, he has said, you are loved and you belong. And so if this is what belonging is, if belonging is based on grace and the community of Jesus, then what does that mean for us? What does that mean for us here in this place in this morning? You see, people who have experienced grace, people who understand that their belonging is based on grace, the primary characteristic of those people, the primary characteristic of a, of a community like that is humility. It's humility. You see, that's what Jesus says. He says, the tax collector goes home belonging. The tax collector goes home justified, and then Jesus gives this invitation and this warning. He says, if you humble yourself, you'll be exalted, but if you exalt yourself, you'll be humbled. You see, the primary mark that you understand grace, 
is that you're a humble person, right? that you have humility. Now, we don't like to talk about humility in our culture. Right? We love to talk about pride, like I'm the best. I'm going to perform, I'm going to post online, I'm going to show you the best parts of my life. Pride says that I'm the best, and so everyone else needs to work around me. That's where the Pharisee is. Right? But humility is not saying I'm the worst. Shame says I'm the worst. You see, shame says I'm the worst, I'm not worthy of love, I'm, I'm trash, nobody like me. Both of those things, you can be proud and be full of yourself, and you can be shameful and be full of yourself. Humility says something different. Pride centers me positively. It says, look at me, I've got it all together. Humility cent- or, uh, shame centers me negatively. It says, look at me, I'm the worst. Humility says I'm not the center. I'm not the most important person in this space. I don't have it all figured out. If Jesus is the center, I'm not in the center, then humility says, how do I get to Jesus? How do I move towards him? See, it's important to realize this, that if you're considering Christianity or you're reconsidering Christianity, uh, the, the most important thing, right, and really the first step towards receiving grace, to understanding the grace of Jesus, is humility. Because if you are not humble, you can't receive grace because grace requires that you come with empty hands requires that you say, I don't have it all together. I have need. Right? So humility says, Jesus, I need your grace. Jesus, I'm not the center. That's where the tax collector is in this space. Humility is the prerequisite for receiving grace, saying I don't have it all together. Now, who can be humble? Anyone can be humble. Right? All it takes is saying, I need grace. But if you're coming to Jesus or coming towards Christianity and say, I've got my life figured out, I've got everything lined up now, just stamp the approval on what I'm doing, that's not how grace works. That's not how humility works. Humility requires saying, I don't have it all figured out. And if you are humble, Jesus says, you'll be exalted. You'll be lifted up by the grace of Jesus. So people who understand that their belonging is based on grace will be humble people, will be people of humility. And it's the primary mark of people who understand grace. But humility is also the primary mark of a community that is shaped by grace. A community that says belonging is based on grace. That says whatever you're bringing with you into this space, whatever you're bringing into this community, whatever you're still figuring out, whatever uh, we don't understand, whatever you are still unsure about or the doubts that you have or the questions that you have, bring it. Because together we'll figure it out. We don't have everything figured out, but we know that Jesus' grace is sufficient. And if Jesus says that nothing is earned and everything is given, then you belong here. And together we'll move towards Jesus. Humility is the mark of a community that is shaped by grace. It says we don't have it all figured out, but we know who does, so let's move towards Jesus. You see, I think this is really important for us to get as a church plant, as a new church in this community, because it could be very easy in our hearts and our minds and our attitude to say to our neighbors and to our neighborhood, we're here, now come to us so we can save you. And come to us and you'll be saved. Come to us and you'll be fixed. Come to us and we'll help you with our problems. That's the attitude of the Pharisee. That says, we're here, now come be in our in-group so you can be fixed. That's not humility, that's pride. See, a community that's shaped by humility would look at our neighbors in our neighborhood and say, I don't have everything figured out. But let me bring you to the grace that has transformed me, the grace that I need, the grace that I need every single day. Uh, Bring your struggle, bring your uncertainty, bring your doubt, and let's together find the grace of Jesus at the foot of the cross. And while we're at the foot of the cross together saying, we don't have it all figured out, but we'll be humble, we'll admit our need, and we'll figure out who Jesus is together. While we are that community at the foot of the cross, let's build a table. And at this table, everyone is welcome. 
There's always an open seat so that together we can experience the grace of Jesus. Because his grace and his grace alone saves people, not us, not a church plan, not the programs that we do. Those things don't save people. Only Jesus saves people. And so a humble community, a humble church will say, hey, we're in need. We're beggars at the foot of Jesus. And so if you need grace, let's go find it together. And let's build a table there where everyone belongs. That has to be our approach to our neighbors and to our neighborhood. Because too quickly, we can fall into the self-righteous attitude. It says, come to us and we'll fix you. We don't do that. We can't do that. Only Jesus does that. But a community that is shaped by grace will be a radical community of humility. It says, whoever you are and whatever you are bringing, we all need Jesus. And so let's go find him together. And Jesus will meet us in that space. He says, my grace is all that you need. And so if you have my grace, you belong. My prayer for us is that we're that kind of church. So let me pray for us this morning. Jesus, we are on the outgroup. This is what the tax collector understands. And so the only thing that he needs, the only thing that justifies him, the only thing that gives him belonging is grace, your grace. God, forgive me for my self-righteous attitude. And that says I have everything figured out. And so become like me in order to belong. That's not how it works. But God, it's so easy to fall into those spaces. God, we need mercy and we need grace. Every single one of us, no matter who is here in this space, whether they feel like they belong or they don't, whether they've, they've been excluded in the past or not, that it is grace that welcomes us with open arms. And so God, would you work in our hearts humility? It says, I don't have it figured out. And so together we'll find Jesus. Together we'll find his grace. And his grace is all that we need to belong. Would you do that work in our hearts and our minds even this morning? For the one who's here maybe feels excluded because of their opinions, because of their behavior in the past, because of how churches have treated them in the past, God, would we be a place of humility with them? It says, bring whatever you've got, and we're going to come to Jesus. We pray this in his name, and his name alone that is our only hope. Amen.